Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ate My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelant Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, and this week's guest uh, is someone who we've actually spoken to before, if you've listened to some of our Spearman um, recordings. Uh, I, I actually want to say he was kind of like the pilot episode or the episode that predated what, what has become the, uh, the awesome pop culture minute on Spearman. Uh, that we do once in a blue while. Uh, he is someone that uh, our, our buddy Oliver uh, set up with us because uh, of our mutual love of Kevin Smith, which I believe we went on a pretty long tangent about last time we spoke. Uh, but he is a comic book artist. Recently found out he is a big fan of tabletop RPG and is a GM uh, in his in his home games. Uh, please welcome to the show... Uh, comic book creator, creator of champions, uh, Dylan Jacobson. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Thanks for being on the the official show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a while since we talked on Spearman. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. good to be back. <laughs> yeah, and and hopefully this time. I, I think I think actually the only reason our conversation ended before is because uh, the connection, like, timed out. And, and that's, I work in the boondocks where my signal is crappy and my and I can't get a good Wi-Fi signal outside of my office. So um, it was a, it, Spearman is such a great, like, idea. Um, and, and I've only been able to take full function, like, a full swing at using it now that they introduced, like, solo recordings. But, like... During the day, when I'm in no Wi-Fi country, it's an it's just awful to try to use. Right, I've had kind of the same experience, but like you said, I think it's something that's kind of pushing the boundary of how podcasting works. So it's going to be really cool. It just needs to kind of figure out where it's going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool to kind of launch into it so early the way we did. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's like uh, me saying awful. I don't want to put that on Spearman. Like if Oliver's listening, like I don't mean you and your your app. I like for me, it's strictly like I just like it's literally I like a farm is next door to where I work. So uh, that's my issues with it um, when I'm trying to connect to people. But it is awesome being part of like the the early people with it like you know oliver and i we don't really talk on a regular basis anymore but like uh about six months ago probably six seven months ago when we first started chatting like it was like uh, he found out i was coming to new york for something and he wanted to meet and chat about spearman and it's cool that like he includes me in a lot of the early stuff so that's why i'm doing like the it's not a weekly thing but that's why i'm doing like an exclusive pop culture minute 
with them uh because like you're just like hey do you want to do this and we embed it on this other website for you know a, a test thing we're doing and i'm like absolutely and, and it's it is like as you said pushing boundaries mm-hmm. i think that's it, it's really going somewhere and i think the way i found out about it was kind of interesting because i was going through bumpers and bumpers is another app that does I, it might be able to do longer form podcasts but it's kind of meant for like three to five minute things um, okay. And I had just kind of run out of time to do long format podcasting at the end of last fall, and was like, I guess we'll give this app a whirl and do like you know one to five minutes here and there. Um, and then I found out that uh, it, I don't know if it does a little better integration, but it does integration with uh, Spearman a little bit. So Oliver got a hold of me and was like, Hey, you want to test that out and see how it works with bumpers? And that's kind of how I I found out about Spearman, and then he hooked us up. So. And, and that's like, and we're using right now Zencaster. I, you know, my audience knows I talk about it a lot and whatnot. And, and for our live shows are actually one of our sponsors. Uh, Zencaster for me is like the, like the, the way I equate the two, cause I, I like having both in my utility belt. Spearman's great for like on the go, or I know I'm going to do something short form, uh, anything, anything under 30 minutes. I know Spearman's like my best bet. Uh, but Zencaster gives me like the more, like it, it almost feels like I'm sitting in a studio. It allows me, God, I think I've gone four hours on this thing before. So it allows me to go real long if I need to, uh, which is, you know, coming from, so, so that's interesting. So you have a background in podcasting. Yeah, not super extensively, but, um, I, we kind of touched base on it before, Kevin Smith and how gung-ho he is about following your dreams and goals and how you should just have a podcast. Who cares if no one listens to it? Mm -hmm. So um, I was a part-time filmmaker for a couple of years out of college. Yes. And we had a small studio that we called Sequence 10, um, which was actually just named after a level from Assassin's Creed. But anyway, um, we... I, I urged my small group of uh, filmmaking friends to podcast. And we would just do like a weekly update thing of like, this is what we're working on. Here's the script idea and who the hell would ever watch this. And um, uh, from there I decided to kind of keep doing it. Um, even though uh, we kind of disbanded as a filmmaking group, I moved into vlogging for a while cause I was going through a weight loss process. And so did that every day to stay accountable um, and then did a, a local art podcast called Artbeat, um, which there's like seven or eight episodes up on uh, iTunes, and we launched that last summer. Um, there's just so many scheduling conflicts and stuff. Yeah. And we were trying to do it live right out of the gate. Uh, we were doing it at a bar. Um, we would get anywhere between nobody and like ten people <laughs> to show up, <laughs> and uh, it was it was cool. It was like the local scene. Um, who's in town? Who's doing what? We had a, our biggest guest was a Texas poet named P.W. Covington who was coming to the area, and we got him on the podcast, which was pretty cool. Um, but uh, there's another local podcast uh, company that, or a company, I suppose you would say at this point, because they're starting a, um, a what do you call it, a channel or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they they asked if they could take Artbeat under their wing. And if we did that, then I would transition all of those podcasts to their server. And then after they've replayed the, new, the old ones, we would start making new ones. Um, so that might be coming down the pipeline. I'm not quite sure. I haven't uh, made any final decisions on that yet. Um, yeah, man, that's a lot. Uh, th- that, <laughs> but that's, you know, f- so I guess for me, you know, I, I, um, 
I've been around. I've been doing it for ten years almost. Like this June will be ten years of podcasting. So I've I've seen like how technology has changed in the medium. And really the biggest thing, because sitting down and speaking into a mic, whether it's in a live crowd or in a studio, you can't necessarily... like. I feel like that is where it's at. And it's it hasn't really advanced too much in the last 10 years. Um, for voice, at least. I mean, it's just podcasts. It's just guys sitting around talking. But something that I've been doing a lot more, uh, is when I said like, so, so you mentioned scheduling conflicts, doing a podcast. That was my biggest enemy when I was hosting a podcast that was, you know, everyone was local. Everyone was in the same town. Let's all meet up, you know, once a week to sit down and record, you know, the more people you had, the harder it was to schedule. And, I was a big fan because it's how I started with like the four or five man set up, have it set up. It was more like a, like a two hour radio program with segments and, and breaks and stuff. And I found that eventually it was like, you know what? Having one other person has having me and one co-host is the way to go. Cause then it's less scheduling conflicts. And that even turned into the point of now where I am. It's just me and a guest because it's so much easier to, to schedule something like that. And that's where, like, I just think the technology for doing remote podcasts has has been, like, greatly improved in the last 10 years from having to sit on Skype and, and having, like, we literally had, like, I think three or four computers uh, at one point set up to do everything when you wanted to do, including having a, a f- quote-unquote phone guest. And I can literally now do that with one USB microphone and a computer. Right. I was, when I was in college back in like 2008, we purchased a bunch of stuff for the campus radio station I was working at to simply be able to take calls on the air, um, which we had to upgrade our entire computer system and phone system to do that, which was just like, it was crazy to think about how much money we had to sink into something just to take a call. Yeah. But it it is. And and I I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that it's a little bit more complicated when it, when you move away from internet radio to to whether it's college or actual you know you know uh, terrestrial radio, but yeah, I mean it is insane amount insane amount of the money that you can spend to to get one little you think it's something easy to to include in your your podcast, uh, and and it turns into being a such a money sucker. Right, it's nuts. Yeah, and 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 it's I say this and I say like the the technology hasn't changed much as far as like, you know, for in-studio stuff. I've already I sat down with uh one of the, you know, the music stores that sponsors our Philadelphia Podcast Festival and and you know, has done work with us for live shows in the past and like like have said this is all right, this is what I want to eventually upgrade my studio to and it's like that it's like about $1500 worth of stuff. Uh, which when you're a podcaster making zero dollars on it, it's that's <laughs> like it's a lot of money that you have to find it, 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 to to make happen. Uh, it, it and that's the thing. Like, so I don't know. Uh, you you know you you were talking about Kevin Smith, and and much like you and I have talked about before on the other thing, and and I'm sure I've talked about on this show before, the whole idea of like everyone should do a podcast, which I totally agree with. Uh. It, I used to do it for the first eight years. It was about like, let me find a way to make this like my career and make money off of it. And then, um, 
And then it was only recently when I started this show that I finally took that approach Kevin Smith was preaching and was like, just go out there and do it. Who cares who listens? You know, it's all about just having fun and, and getting that conversation out there. And I've never been more creatively uh, satisfied and fulfilled. Um, and, you know, I've had shows that are way more popular than this, but they were always they always felt like a second or third job where this I'm probably doing twice the amount of work than I did on anything else, but it doesn't feel like a job and I feel fulfilled about it. And, and I, I don't, I'm not a numbers guy anymore, but I do look like at the end of the month and they do go up every month. So like, I feel good about it. Like it's, it's all, I don't know, just taking that like stoner approach, I guess is just, uh, it, it feels good. Well, I can totally agree with that. I mean, even sidestepping into thinking about comics, when I started doing that stuff, I was working entirely in web comics, and yeah. I would sit and watch my Google Analytics like every day, and I'm like, okay, no one looked at that one. Um, what do I have to do? And then I sold my soul to Reddit and started posting <laughs> everything on there, and maybe there were more people who liked it than ever let on, but Reddit's just so full of negativity oh when God. people create something. Yes. Where... I had yeah, I I will just admit it. I was banned from uh, Reddit something I made because I was posting stuff I made that no one liked, and uh like it was so frustrating. But the thing was, is the the analytics showed that those people went to the website. Yeah. Um, so it's like so I'm winning by failing. I it, it yeah. sucked, and no one had anything nice to say. So it just beat me into the ground even further. So I don't look at numbers or anything at all other than my patreon which is kind of my main source of income right now <laughs> well and and that's something that um like you know numbers and stuff and you mentioned when you would try to do a live show and i don't know if this equates over to to comics or not because i feel like that is way more personal when when you're when you're creating something like that and, and this is me i'm not i can't draw i can draw a stick figure maybe so i i have a hard time like feeling the like kind of what it means to be to, to create something in in that form of art but i imagine it's kind of similar because because i take this kind of seriously but for me uh and and i don't know how you felt about doing your live shows or if this like i said equates over to comic books but like when I go to a, you know, get ready for a live show and I'm thinking about the audience size, I try not to think about it because then I get in my own head. But I also sit there and say, like, who cares if it's like five people or 10 people or zero people? Like, how, if I was just on the, out on my porch talking to a friend, which is essentially what this show is, like, why would anyone want to stand there and, and listen to it, you know? So the fact that people show up to these things at all, is like I'm just I feel great about so like when I have you know I, I think that we've had like a, a an audience size of maybe 35 or so people and we've also literally had one or two people in the audience uh I I, I still perform that show the same way because you know who am I to demand people to sit to sit and listen to me talk well I, I think you're absolutely right about that when we did Artbeat um, live during the summer, if nobody showed up, we performed it exactly the same. And if I go to a, a like, I'm, I'm doing an art event this weekend um, downtown in my, my hometown of Sioux Falls here, and I'm going to treat it the same as I would treat any other gig or convention where I'm going to do 
if one person shows up and wants a drawing, I'll do their drawing. I'm going to hang out the whole time and look professional about it. But um, when we did the the podcast, the show goes on no matter what. But we had this gimmick of trying to get a, a loud round of applause at the beginning of every podcast. So even if it was just the guest clapping and no one's there, we'd be like, wow, it's a packed house, you know. Um, That's <laughs> but, that's that's the only thing that I changed for for our because our live shows uh, we call late night and we do like a late night feel to it where it's it's me and I have my little sidekick host uh, which isn't normal for this show and then we then we have two guests and the second one's always like a comedian or a musician or something and mm-hmm. um, and I when the first live show we did was for the Philadelphia Podcast Fest last year. And I was like, going over the show with my my buddy, I was like, yeah, so like I'm going to come out and I'm going to, you know, hype the crowd up and whatnot. And he's like, asshole, what if no one's there? I'm like, all right, that's a good point. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll, uh, I'll just wait and sit on that one. Uh, and it is like the podcasting and, uh, and I'm sure, you know, I, I haven't, I've only gone to cons and, and, and shows uh, that weren't podcast related as like a, as an audience member. So I, I don't know. I feel like the live interaction is, is more so, you know, more, more podcast related, even though you do have to interact with people when you're, when you're at a con as well. But I, I it's, I guess way more personal, I guess at that level. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because you really can't take it personally with a podcast because even if no one shows up, someone's going to listen online. Yeah. Um, so you, you have the listener. They're there regardless of how ethereal they might be. Um, but, I've, like, for instance, I went to a convention last summer. It was its first appearance in Sioux Falls. Um, I'm not going to name it because I've, I've got a few negative things I want to say about it. But um, <laughs> they, it was the most poorly set up thing I'd ever been to where I had paid for the booth fee, um, quite a bit ahead of time and showed up like four hours early thinking that, you know, I want to be the first guy through the door. And when I got there with my table mate, who is the colorist for my next issue, we had gotten there before any event staff had ever checked in and the arena we were at wasn't even sure if they were coming. <laughs> and uh, so we, we were like, well, I guess we'll just get first pick of the place. And eventually we got kicked off the premium table that we had picked once people showed up. <laughs> but it was such a small turnout, especially for how much we had paid for everything that yeah. I was terrified of not breaking even. And it was like, I'm, I'm in my hometown and didn't even have to drive very far. But knowing that um, we're not going to rake in any money is just, uh, it's devastating. And then also knowing that you're not going to network at all. There's not going to be anybody here to take your business card or like pick up the sticker. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's tough to deal with. But um, I will say on the other side of that spectrum, I did have somebody kind of swoop in and make a, a gratuitously large donation in exchange for one comic book that basically offset my fees for the weekend. So that is something I won't forget either. Like had I not toughed it out, had I not made it all the way through, that probably wouldn't have happened. So once you've committed to something, you just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So let's, and I'm sure we touched on this a little bit uh, before, but for, for the audience that hasn't listened to that Spearman episode, uh, where, where does the, your origins in art uh, come from? Okay. Well, let's start in the beginning. I think I was born in the year 1988. Uh, No, we won't go that far back. Um, No, um, 
I would say in high school is kind of the beginning of things because I had turned into such an angsty, ill-performing um, teenage student um, that the only thing I really cared about was my art classes because they were the one thing where I was kind of let to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I had teachers pushing me in particular co uh, college directions, but I didn't even know if I wanted to go to school, quite frankly. So um, uh, reluctantly, I did go to college and I studied 3D animation and graphics for a little while, but the world of computers, as much as I use them, isn't where I want to be creative. And yeah. uh, so that, that was a struggle for me. And I wound up taking one class making a film um, for like a freshman level class. And it was a 10 minute film that had a whole bunch of stupid things that you had to add into it. Like we had to have the theme song from The Price is Right. Hmm. And we had to have certain character names and certain scenes that were just like arbitrary and completely asinine. Uh, but I fell in love with the project and had made the whimsical decision to transfer out of that school, Dakota State University, and go to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Um, so I signed my exit paperwork before getting approved or getting accepted to MCAD and just told everybody, like, it's going to be cool. Like, I'm going to get in. No, no sweat. And uh, uh, lo and behold, I got in. So I wasn't out of school for a semester. But when I showed up, there was no financial aid left because I had gotten in so late. And they got me into a couple classes, and I had to get an apartment and had no job and no money. And I uh, lived in Minneapolis where the rent and everything is extraordinarily expensive. And found myself doing better in school than I had ever done before for the first semester, but then worse than I had ever done before the second semester because uh, the crushing loneliness and debt became crushing depression um, while I was studying filmmaking in Minneapolis. So I worked on a good handful of films with various students there, but ultimately decided that it was time to go back to South Dakota and I finished everything out at the college I started at at Dakota State. Um, and I, once again, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, so I just took a generals in art. So it says digital arts and design is what I studied, but... Uh, I was still pretty gung-ho about filmmaking, and so right after college, uh, kind of got hooked up with some friends that I had been working on stuff with before um, from Dakota State, and we formed a small film company that I talked about before, and our goal was to do things for cash so we could turn that money into, like, the narrative films we wanted to make, and we found ourselves just filling so much of our time with uh, going to small businesses and filming, like, training videos. Yeah. So I remember doing stuff like how to install security cameras or like how to lock the building at night. And uh, I'm sure I'm in a handful of movies that are about how to do your job. But uh, <laughs> so while that was all happening, I had this just like irresponsibly deep love with Buffy the Vampire Slayer developing because of okay. a class I took yeah. and uh, wanted to somehow pay it homage or honor it and had taken a lot of my storyboarding skills from the classes I had taken and decided, you know what, I'm going to make a webcomic. I have all these comic artists I love so much. I don't know anything about comics, but I'm going to make one. And it was a hideous failure. <laughs> but it was a failure full of uh, learning lessons because that's kind of how I learned how to tell stories and uh, make comics and things like that. So I had to fall down a lot to pick myself up. Well, and that's but, uh, all, you know, and I, I believe this is a, a Kevin Smith saying, like, all failing is a success training. So, you know, it's, it's, you want to, you want to fail. And I actually heard a really 
good um, story with uh, it was on. I, I've been listening to the um, uh, Edge and Christian no 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 it wasn't on the edge and christian podcast uh but it was another wrestler's podcast it was stone cold's podcast i started listening to that again and he had he had diamond dallas page on and he um he was very good friends with uh dusty Rhodes and um pretty much watched cody grow up cody Rhodes grow up and he told this uh great story about uh in in Cody Rhodes junior year high school he he went undefeated uh, went to the state championships and won and then he finally lost in his senior year like a couple a couple uh matches in and uh you know he was really bummed out about it he him and and Diamond Dallas Page were I guess super close uh and he called called him and said oh my god I can't believe I lost like was really upset about it and Paige was like, it's about time, man. Like you need to, you need to learn. You need to lose to learn because what if that was the championship game and you lost to that guy, you lose the championship. Now, you know, you know how to, to, you know, uh, beat this guy. If, if you were to go up against the game and lo and behold, down the road, state championship for the second year in a row, Cody's facing the kid that he lost to. And, uh, he ends up beating him for the championship. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, failing is is always, you know, I think a great way to to find a way to succeed, um, and I think that's kind of like going back to earlier in our discussion. Like that's what this everything is awesome podcast is. Like, I mean, I've hosted double digit shows. Like, I think I've I've been in it for almost ten years, but I've probably been part of and hosted and created close to. I think the last time I had a count was like somewhere between thirteen and fourteen shows or something like that. Um, and you know, none of them are really around. I think you know, there's one that's still around that that we do on a irregular basis. Other than that. You know, none of them are around anymore. They all, for whatever reason, failed, whether it was because of, you know, egos or, um, or, you know, schedule conflicts. Uh, They all failed for for one reason or another. And now I'm doing this, which has been, knock on wood, successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think um, just looking at uh, where we both come from with that creative standpoint from Kevin Smith, I would have to say, and this is with all given bias, that you're, you're kind of living up to that expectation pretty well, um, which has been what's so impressive about kind of connecting with you as we did through Spearman. Um, because I, I really think that this podcast is damn inspiring, and I've been doing my best to keep up with it every week, especially now that I've been making art full-time. Yeah, and that's – let me say, uh, that's nuts to me. Like when when you sent me the, the tweet about uh, – and we'll get to your comic – uh, comic book in a second but when you sent me the tweet about that i was like he definitely meant to say at that kevin smith like this is the first time that like me changing my twitter handle from uh at hhwst to at that nerdy kev has like someone finally confused me with kev smith and i know that i'm like you know I, i'm a little bit heavy like him and have a beard like him but this is 100% inaccurate. But I messaged, I DM'd you or whatever, or however yeah, I responded. Yeah. And then, like, you responded back. I was like, I don't really, like, he's just being nice at this point. Like, what did I, like, so it was really, like, really, like, um, 
like a, a, a warm feeling inside of me once I realized that, like, I think he really met me. That's awesome. Oh, well, I would say it has at least me, both of you. Um, but the thing, the thing about your podcast is you're always talking to new and different people from, like, every sort of walk of life, and that's kind of the thing I wanted to do with mine. And uh, over the last year, I've needed essentially support systems like um, like Everything is Awesome or even Kevin Smith's podcast. Um, even things like Jan, Tyler, and Bob get old where it's really not like about restructuring somebody else. It's about restructuring uh, Jason Muse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, when I started to make more decisions about I think I'm just going to try to be a creative for a while, um, life got rough. And it, it it's Anyone can, if you can use something someone's putting out to improve yourself, then that's good for you, and you need that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's surprising to say it's a support system, but it's a support system nonetheless. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. Like that's where, I mean, they, you know, I mean, if you've been listening, you know, you, you know, you know, and and everyone else, you know, I've I beat it to death. You know, last year we, you know, I went through through losing my uncle to cancer. And like that was especially like when we knew, like it was it was a roller coaster because it like it seemed like it was going to be like oh he's gonna beat it no problem like it's just easy easy street you know it still kind of sucks but whatever and then the day before the Philadelphia Podcast Fest we find out that it came back and then that was when it was just like basically a downward spiral and that's where like even though I was using podcasts beforehand to kind of be a, a crutch. Um, that's especially where, like, I just dove into every podcast that I could find so that I could find an hour or two here and there to escape. And that's like my love of campaign pod, which is, you know, a star Wars, um, edge of the empire podcast like that. My love of that, like they helped me big time. And, you know, Kevin Smith and more so than even Kevin Smith, the tell them Steve Dave boys, I think they're like their podcast on that network is the one that I have never like given up for a couple weeks at a time. It's the one that I, for the most part have stayed, you know, uh, you know, listening to week in and week out because it's, it's the more real, I guess it's, it's there's except for Q, I guess it's all a bunch of guys that really, you know, are until I guess recently with comic book men, just kind of everyday dudes. Um, and even comic book men, I don't think has changed them at all. So like, that was like the closest podcast on the Kevin Smith network that, that resembled me. And, um, they're just really funny dudes. Like all that is like, you know, I, you know, is what I use for my crutch when I had, you know, my bout with depression, uh, or just, you know, feeling sad even just because of everything that was going on. So, um, a hundred percent understand. Uh, and I think everyone, everyone has a moment like that. Yeah. I, I, well, I think people, um, always assume that art is exactly like painting or writing or making a movie. And they don't realize that so many of the creative processes in their lives, whether it's putting puzzles together or playing Dungeons and Dragons, like those are the creative outlets that people use to express themselves. And, uh, if you can find something through those those formats that like enhances you or makes you feel better or simply lets you express yourself and that's that's a good thing and knowing that there are people out there 
like you or Kevin Smith, <laughs> like I don't know how many times we can say his name in one podcast, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but but just anybody out there saying like, hey man, go go do the thing, um, and just keep doing it, uh, and who cares what the outcome is because as long as you keep doing it, it'll be a positive outcome, yeah. and uh, th- those are powerful things to say, especially for anybody who's in a walk of life where. Um, Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of my life philosophy real quick. All right. There's nothing wrong with having any job. I don't care what it is. They're all potentially good jobs. Uh, the thing is, is if you get up in the morning and you cannot fathom going back to it, then it's not a good job for you. Yeah. So, so there are days where I get up and I don't want to draw. But I know there's something fulfilling about it. We're either at the end of the situation of drawing or partway through it that I feel like reinvigorated or I feel purposeful. And I know that that's some, that's something I need to be doing. And so when you find anything that helps you get up in the morning, then go for it. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I mean, that, that is just a a way of life. Everyone should be living by. And, um, I think, I guess for the most part, most people do, uh, it's, it's the rarity, uh, that I guess people don't, but the, I mean, and those people are obviously the ones that need to hear it the most because, you know, that's, you know, I mean that the, the not waking up and doing something like that, or, or even, you know, being entertained by something like that to, to help you get through your day or whatever is it, like, can be like a life and death situation in some cases. Right, and I think it's it's often underrated um, how how life and death things like that can be. Yeah, especially just in given circumstances. Like sometimes there's just you need to hear or experience just the right thing to keep keep you grounded. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and it's you know for the longest time when I was a when I was a kid when you know every every teenager is, is emo and, and, you know, they can't deal with life or whatever. Um, that's when like a lot, most of like the people I knew were turning to music or, or, um, or art. Uh, and I, I, I fall in the same trap, even though what I, I consider what I do art, but I, when I was a kid, people like, it seemed like everyone was going towards music or like traditional art to like kind of express themselves while there was me and my small clique of friends that like went to wrestling. And like, that was the, it's guaranteed the reason why I didn't get into any like major fist fights or any kind of any, any real trouble in school is because I was focusing all that energy into, uh, telling stories in the, in the wrestling ring. Um, and you know, I know without that, despite how, uh, dopey it sounds because it's, you know, it's, it's uh, wrestling is, is purely, uh, you know, acting with, with a, a little bit of sports talent behind you. Uh, it is like, it, it definitely saved me from, you know, getting into a lot of trouble as a kid. Yeah. I think, like I said before, outlets like that are super, um, super important to everybody, regardless of what your outlet is. Like for the last year and a half, mine has been tabletop gaming. Um, but I think there, there's also unexpected territory where you don't realize you're going to encounter like weird reflections of yourself. And sometimes you don't really like what you look at. And uh, um, trying to figure out what's there in your life that makes it good 
in those moments is really important. So if it's wrestling or if it's podcasting or if it's writing or if it's making a movie, like you need to figure out how that can reflect the good in you um, and know that sometimes it can reflect things you don't like too. All right, super friends, we're taking a quick break from my conversation with Dylan to chat about the next live event we're putting on, the unofficial Wizard World After Party on June 4th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on Frankfurt Ave in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. From 4 to 5, we're going to have a quest for magic and steel. They're going to give us some family-style D&D. From 5 to 6, it's going to be everything is awesome late night. Mike and I will sit around. We're going to chat about Wizard World. Mike's going to be there all four days, so he's going to give us the inside scoop. We're going to have Brian Gway on hand to give us some of his stand-up comedy and of course just announced right here hot off the presses we're gonna have Ophidian the Cobra in the show Ophidian the Cobra from Takara Pro Wrestling will be on hand to sit down and chat all things wrestling podcasting and and whatever else he has on his multi-talented play make sure you come out June 4th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on Frankfurt Ave in Philadelphia PA come celebrate the after party for Wizard World unofficially of course because I had call me call, call it Kurt Cobain if you want uh, but I had like post-success depression last year when my first comic book came out because I did a successful Kickstarter we raised 1300 more dollars than we needed to to get the book on shelves print a thousand copies i had a debut on free comic book day at a local comic book store we sold uh, i don't know something like 60 copies in the first couple hours and it felt just phenomenal and then after that i was like oh god i have to make another one and like <laughs> how am i supposed to how is that supposed to happen and what if this was just a fluke and what if i'm not as good as i think i am and what if everyone's just convinced it's okay because the cover is okay and no one actually likes it and what if they're all <laughs> lying to me and uh that was, that was maybe the hardest, like, six months of my entire life, having to recover from success, which is a crazy thing to think about. Well, and I, th- I think that's kind of almost like a like an unspoken thing about um, success, you know, depending on how or when you find it. I mean, what what you described sounds like kind of a, a miniature version of what happens to most child actors, finding all that success when they're young, and then all of a sudden they don't know what to do when they're older and and they spiral out of control for, you know, whatever, however they spiral out of control. Yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. I've never looked at it through that vein, but uh, you made me consider that uh, uh, before I released my book, about a year before it, I took a business class for artists and like how to sell your work, and that really got me off the ground. And I started doing live events and drawing for people, um, selling sketches and stuff like that. And then that ultimately, uh, like one thing after another, led to me making a print book and leaving web behind. And uh, I, I think about that moment from that class because we had a day where we had to come up with our goals for when we're 35 or something like that. And I was 26 at the time. So I'm like, that's a long ways away. You know, that's nine years. Um, so I could have a lot done by that time. And my goals were to have one comic book out and teach one class, everything I accomplished by the time I was 27. And, uh, when I look at that, I'm like, well, I hit my goals for 35. <laughs> I have no idea what to do now. And I don't know how to, like, what if I have an audience and how the hell do I please them? And is, am I, am I really this thing? Like I've had so many moments of like imposter syndrome in my life. It's so crazy. But, uh, just knowing that things change can be difficult. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, I mean, luckily for, uh, for me, I, I have not experienced that quite yet. I, I, we have not hit the, uh, I say the moment that I, I get a whole bunch of money dumped in my lap from doing this is the moment that I, I start crashing from success. Uh, until then I'm happy to, to not take any money. So I don't have that post success crash with podcasting. Um, I, I feel like I've, well, and, but for me, like, this is like all gearing up towards podcasting is just such an easy medium to get into and, and focus on because it is, it can be as easy as me sitting in front of a mic and a computer having a conversation with sometimes just myself. I mean, that sometimes I, you know, it's, it's easy enough for me to hop on for 30 to 60 minutes and talk to myself or talk to myself as Batman for an hour. You know, it's, it's. It's it's pretty easy to to medium to control and um but it's all for me, you know, in when I was I'm 30, I'll be 33 this year. Um so thank God I never wrote down what I wanted to have accomplished by the time I was 35 because that's frightening that it's 2 years away. But uh <laughs> I would say when I was 25 or 26 is when I realized I wanted to, to be a filmmaker essentially. Um, and like, I've never, like, I am exactly, you know, if you, you know, I, you know, Kevin Smith and anyone out there that's listened to any of his Q and A's or evening with like, know that like what, like, it until he was on set with Bruce Willis at Cop Out, he didn't know what the lens names were. Like he he would look at his DP and say, you know, this one, and use his hands to to show the shot that he needed. Right. So so very much like Kevin Smith. Like I know nothing about making a film except point a camera at it, and we'll figure it out. Um, and and that comes from the mindset of like I more so want to be a writer and, and but I also want to control what I'm writing so that's that's why I want to direct, and um, that's what like all this is gearing towards and like finally like this year like after like talking with like ma- the this show uh, and maybe it's not necessarily this show but the minds that I had the mindset that I have doing this show. Um, where I don't go to Reddit anymore to promote podcasts because it's such an evil place. Uh, God, it's, is it? <laughs> it's um, but like embracing the like I ha- I at one point thought it was going to be hard to interview other podcasters because I didn't think there was a good community uh, for like an indie poster indie podcaster to go to. It's could it be further from the truth? Like, and and I think something that you being into tabletop um, role playing games may understand because I find like I find the communities very similar, is that the the podcast community uh, is such a warm and welcoming community. Like I have, I unless you go to that evil evil place Reddit, like I don't run into a podcaster that is that's like mean like everyone is just so like yes like thank god you're doing a podcast because we need more of that um so it's just like finally like because i'm in that community like i i've i'm taking a step in that in that um direction of being a filmmaker by doing an audio drama like we're finally kind of working on something that's scripted but audio so it's kind of easy to do and yeah yeah i've had i wrote a screenplay for television a few years ago for a contest it uh did not win um but i was like oh my god i'm gonna revamp this and i'm gonna redo it as an audio play for a podcast yeah and that's that oh yeah i dig that 
it, it is such like it. And it's funny because I forgot how much I wanted, like going back, it's, it's nuts thinking about like the last 10 years of podcasting for me. I'd say, you know, um, if, if this marks my 10th year, about nine years ago, I said, I want to, and I don't think I called it a network at the time because I don't think podcasting had networks nine years ago. But I don't think they did. But th- there was the the pod- one of the podcasts I was on. Like when I had to go on vacation, the guys did their own thing, and it was kind of just a separate thing. And I was like, "Yo, let's just like continue doing both, and we'll have like a station. Like we'll have, or I, that's what they were called back then. If they if there was more than one podcast on one website, they were stations. And mm-hmm. like I had like before networks were networks, I wanted to do a podcast network, and um, same thing with like. I wanted to bring back audio dramas because that was like, not that I ever really listened to them, but I always loved the concept of like old school, old timey radio plays. And, Me too. <laughs> and like, it just, it's something that like, I was like, Hey, like, this is something I'm going to, I'm going to back in my mind. I'm going to do this one day. And it wasn't until last year when I sat down and spoke with Aaron McGathy that, you know, we were talking and she mentioned something about like wanting to do a radio play. And I'm like, Holy crap. I wanted, I forgot that I wanted to do that. Um, and it wasn't like until I, after like I, I listened to it in playback editing of the episode that I realized that I wanted to do it. And so finally, like we're there, like, it's like, okay, we have our outline. Let's start, you know, let's just start scripting it out and then we can start recording it. And, and, you know, it's, I'm super excited to do it because it is just like one step closer. I mean, all that is, is, is it's, it's cameraless filmmaking, really. Like it's, it's still kind of filmmaking. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I think that's an excellent idea. I fully support it. Um, do you know what, uh, God, this is like the worst question ever to ask somebody who's writing a script, but, uh, do you know what the, the genre or style of, uh, of audio play you're doing? It's, um, it is, uh, God, I don't know. See, this is where, where I'm a til- terrible filmmaker because I, I would put it, it's like, it, it, I'm going to stylize it like, uh, like other audio dramas that are kind of out there right now. Um, it's, it's like a true crime podcast, um, oh, but way, but fictionalized. So it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's going to be like a, I guess a dramedy, like, you know, it's, it's going to be way more drama than comedy. Um, it's, it's, we're going to play it as like everything that's, that, that's happening is completely legitimate and, 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 uh, truth in the world that we're, that, that we, it's not even our world. Like we're, we're playing in someone else's world. Um, but I'm hoping that fair use, <laughs> fair use parody wins out, uh, if anything happens. And usually in this kind of in scenario, it usually does. So I'm not too worried about it because we're just having fun with it. But like, I'm not looking to make money off of it either. Like, it's simply like, Hey, let's put it out there. Let's have some fun while we record it. Uh, and, but yeah, it's, it's like a true, true crime podcast. I dig that. That's. Sounds like it'll turn out really cool. It's, I mean, I can, once we're done recording, I can tell you more, more details about it. Um, and speaking of, uh, cause we, we, we do have less uh, than 20 minutes left. Let's, I do want to get oh, into boy. some of your, um, s- some of w- the, the comic book that you, you are working on now, and maybe we can hit on some of your tabletop stuff if we have time. So let's talk about yeah. your, your comic book that you, uh, you have out now. You sent me the first issue of, uh, champions. Uh, yeah. and it was fantastic. 
uh, I remember, I, I don't know, I think maybe you sent me like a preview or maybe I like s- super stalked you and saw your Kickstarter and, and saw the preview there. Um, that could be. But I, I, you know, I, I started reading, I was like, this looks familiar, but then I, then I read the whole thing and obviously, you know, by the end of it, I knew that I hadn't read the, read the whole thing and it was like, it's such an engaging reading. Like I really dug it and like, it's, um, it's, so do you do the artwork and the story for that? I do. I write, I pencil, and I ink the thing. And then I, I shop it off to a colorist because I would prefer it to be colored digitally because then we can make changes on the fly as opposed to me busting out like paint or colored pencils and then making a terrible mess and having to start the whole page over again. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be terrible. That... Uh, because I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. Earlier I said that I... I lo- I love the computer. I love to use it, but I don't like to create on it. So yeah. I still draw an 11 by 17 Bristol board. Um, I've been trying to get a Twitch going on that, but I've, I'm currently living in a rural town where there's terrible internet. So Twitch streaming is <laughs> poor. <laughs> it is terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Champions was kind of a long time coming. In 2015 and 16. I was working on my second webcomic called The Tide That Returns, which is sort of a seafaring tale that takes place in the 1200s. And uh, sorry about that bell. I have a, a grandfather clock. But uh, <laughs> That's fine. We've, we've dealt with it for the, for the entirety of the episode. It's, it's nice little background uh, music. Yeah. It's letting us know that the hour is progressing. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was working on a, a webcomic called The Tide That Returns, and um, one of my friends who does these sort of psychedelic comics that uh, frankly make no sense but are really cool to look at is like, dude, you should make a zine. Zines are way hip again, and uh, the comic book store would probably carry it, so why don't you go show your work to them, and uh, if they like it, maybe they'll carry a zine for you. And I, I stumble into the comic book shop with a briefcase just filled with comics, um, other things that I had drawn, and I was like, all right, I want to show you my work and see if you'd carry some of it here. And uh, there's a guy who works there. um, Who our shop is called Rainbow Comics, and I'll just say his name. His name is Brian, and he's got this great like poker face, and I think it's because he deals with buying and selling like baseball cards and comic books all day. Yeah. And uh, so he looked just like displeased the whole time. I was like, (laughs) oh my god, he hates it. Like he hates it, and I shouldn't have come in here, and this is terrible, and I'm just foolish. And he goes, you don't want to make a zine. I was like, all right, here comes the end of the world. And he's like, your work looks like you want to make a comic book. And frankly, zines get given out for free because they're a tiny piece of paper folded in half, and no one wants to pay for that. So why don't you go away and come back with a comic book, and we'll sell that. I was like, okay. And I ran out the door and texted a few friends, and was like, hey, we're making a comic book. Imagine that. And uh, I put the tide that returns on hiatus. Um, I guess this can be the first official announcement. Um, after the Champion series is done, I would like to bring that back as a comic book. Um, nice. But anyway, uh, I hopped on the phone with a couple of friends that I've been I worked with for two years, and we went to college together, so they're kind of creative cohorts. And uh, I was just like, so here was my zine idea, and I was like, it's gonna have it, w- it would have had these four characters, and we, I would tell their stories in a page or two and then jump to the next character, and we'll never go back to the old one. And they were like, so what characters did you have? And I laid out, uh, I think, six characters, and we whittled it down to the four that are in the books uh, now, Danny, Alex, Michael, and Muggy, and uh, we were like, let's flesh those out and just make a story for them. And 
I use the uh, uh, plus sign or cross logo, um, a pretty ambiguous cross logo that I feel like um, relates to tons and tons of different stuff in the world, so everyone can kind of attach to it. And uh, I had stolen that a long time ago from a band called Live, if you're familiar with them at all. So, you know, Creative Commons or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'll, just, I'll just take what I need to from here and there. And so I actually based those four characters off of different musicians that had inspired me. Um, so Danny is Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo, or, okay. you know, all the movies he's recorded stuff for. Yeah. And then Michael is Michael Stipe from R.E.M., and Alex is a small-time uh, Canadian musician named Alex Johnson. And Muggy is the band leader from the band Polaris from the 1993 TV series The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's who they are. And I actually got a copy of the comic book into the actual Muggy's hands, which was pretty cool. Uh, that's awesome. And Yeah, so it was really cool to kind of branch it out and uh, base it off of people and I put it in my hometown, and I don't know, I think that helped sell it around the region quite a bit, but uh, I think, I know I'm just kind of waxing here, but um, when I think about what I wanted to do when I grow up, uh, the, the thing that drew me to animation and storytelling and movies is that when I look at the things that I liked as a kid, the things I liked, I liked them because they either made me feel like a better person or made me want to make something. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing I, I'm trying to give back. And so I feel like at least this story has a pretty strong, like, moral objective of trying to tell you to, to be the thing you need in your life and do your best to do the right thing. Um, and maybe I'm trying to teach myself that at the same time as I'm writing it. But uh, so I'm trying to inspire, I guess, is, is yeah. the goal with everything. Well, and I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, if you go into anything creatively, um, I mean, I think, I, I guess number one goal is just to, to, uh, be fulfilled for yourself. Like you need to be satisfied, but a, a very close second is like the hope that your, your, <clears throat> whatever you're doing means something, whatever that is to somebody else, whether it's like it inspires them or, um, it just gives them entertainment or whatever. Uh, I think that's like, I feel like that's everyone's part of their creative goals is to inspire. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, uh, the underlying goal of like, be the person you need to be is kind of the thing you learn in your twenties. Um, and I'm 29 now. So, I mean, it's been, this has been under my belt for almost two years, um, putting this whole book together and it came out last summer. But, uh, you know, I think that's a big thing you need to learn in the 20s is how to be self-sufficient and that you can't really wait for someone to come, like, dig you out of things. Yeah. And especially in the first issue, that's where I was going with things. So um, I'm happy to say that the second issue is officially done. Um, and it, sh- well, it should be coming out to Patreon supporters on Saturday because it's free comic book day. Oh, yes. So. That's exciting. Uh, what well, I, I have to, to, there's a, um, in the first issue, I have to, there's a character that is, I believe robbing a store that is, Oh my God. Yes. That's, that's Jay Muse, right? Yes, totally. So when they were, uh, casting stuff for the Ben Affleck Batman movies, there was all those, you know, um, uh, musings, if you will, to, to make a pun, yes, uh, yes. about Kevin Smith potentially uh, directing it. And he's like, well, that's not possible. Uh, but 
Jamie's on James Hunt Bob Get Old is like, I would love to be in a Batman movie, and I just want to be the bad guy at the beginning of the movie that says, like, give me the money, and then Batman clocks him in the face. So I was like, all right, I'll let you do that. And, uh, yeah, totally based on him. And I tweeted it at him a couple times, and he liked it the first time, but I haven't been able to get a comic in his hands. Um, That's, but, uh, now that you say that story, I can I remember that conversation. Uh, I get old. That's awesome. That that is very cool. Uh, and yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I really like. When I when I saw that, like that, for me as as I, I guess another creative type is what like sells me on something is when you you pay homage to to stuff like that. Like that that's obviously you know whether it's you know. You, because Jason Muse means something to you, or the, at least the view of Skew Universe means something to you, uh, in in some fashion like that. I saw that and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be a wonderful comic. This is this guy is gonna be a wonderful creator. Like I hundred percent know. Like there's no way that's not Jason Muse because yeah, that's totally Yeah, that's that's very cool. Uh, and I I that's the kind of stuff I dig. Like I'm huge into, and I and I think I. I um I get this from Kevin Smith is I'm huge into like the the references the pop culture references that is within your own work as well as like that the the universe building that like before there was a cinematic universe and before that was even a phrase really obviously it's been going on for years and years and decades of years Kevin Smith wasn't the first person to do it that's for sure but like he was the for me he was my first experience of watching something that was interconnected even you know despite there being trilogies out there some the his stuff was interconnected without being directly connected like a trilogy and that's like so important to me that that everything that like every script that we either have outlines for or have written like we have in, in our own, we have our own universe of stuff. Like everything is interconnected. And, um, and so that, yeah, that kind of stuff, just like when I know, when I can tell that you're paying homage to somebody, uh, or, or making a pop culture reference like that, I am, I'm like way into it. I get, it gets, it gets me fired up for it even more. I'm so pleased that you of all people noticed that. Um, <laughs> there's a couple other minor things in there, uh, depending on what your tastes were throughout the 90s. Um, but, yeah, I love doing that and being able to culture my own universe is a really exciting um, experience. Well, and, I think, least about it. and I think that as, like, a creative person, like, you can – like, I think it's – like, it's just got to be fun to be able to say, like – I'm going to make my own little universe and have everything like connected, even if it's in the small, like I know like the one thing that will never be part of like the, the universe that, that we're creating is this podcast because this podcast obviously is in the real world. But like I a hundred percent it's in some, in every project I have, there's going to be some little reference to everything is awesome uh, because I have to, like it's just part of my universe building. And I think that's like, finding ways to do it where it's not obvious, but it's just like, it's there for you at the very least. And, or maybe a small select, you know, friends or, or, or fans. I think that's like a, a fun, a fun little challenge as a creative person is to try to interconnect all your stuff without directly connecting it. Right. And even just a little nods you can do, like I said, to uh, friends and fans, like a lot of the background characters that have actual faces, they're people from Sioux Falls. And when those 
you know, those people bought the book. They're like, holy crap, is this me? That's or awesome. Like, there, there's a record store that the, there's a concert scene. Um, and I, the record store carries the comic book. And the only reason they said they would carry it was they flipped it open. And the first page you saw was that. And then he's like, oh, my God, that's our store. And it, it's barely definable as their store, but they just knew. I was like, yeah, this is your store. And they're like, yeah, we'll carry this book here. <laughs> well, and, that's, uh, that's awesome. So. Yeah, like, there's something, yeah, I know it's pandering, but at the same time, it's like, people really enjoy being represented, Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal experience on both ends. Well, and, and I mean, that's something that I learned from wrestling, or specifically McFoley, is go for the cheap pop, it's okay, it's okay to go for that yeah, cheap pop. Absolutely, especially if you can go for the cheap pop and not just do that, like, if yeah. you go for the cheap pop and then get something more... Like then you did just fine. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I can't, um, I can't disagree with that at all. Uh, so before before we let you go, because uh, I feel like you know this will kind of uh, eventually segue into another project that I'm working on. But so, so, so you because you mentioned tabletop a few times t- uh, today, um, and it sounds like you've only recently gotten into it in the last year and a half. Well, uh, in high school, I played a little bit of AD&D 2, okay. um, which was fun and all, but I don't think we really understood it that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a few on-again, off-again experiences with D&D, um, but last year in January, I began a campaign that I'm still in. So this is the longest romance with the system I've had, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, and since then, I've jumped into another system called Dark Heresy, I'm running a system uh, for Unisystem that features Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've accepted to be in a Pokemon tabletop roleplay that was built by a bunch of fans online. What? And <laughs> There's a Pokemon. Running. And it's so complex, dude. I don't know if we're ever going to figure it out. <laughs> but uh, and then I'm running two D&D sessions of my own. So I feel like other than work on comics, all I do is play D&D. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I We... um. It, to this day, it is uh, it's like something that's almost like it's like the universe is telling me that I shouldn't play because it's so hard to get a game together. I, I have a similar background where we um, we tried to play in high school a few times and it just it wasn't successful. No one was taking it seriously but me and the one other guy. And then uh, I would say about a year and a half, two years ago maybe a little bit longer. Um, we, we started, finally started a campaign, uh, that, that was, um, using D and D fourth edition. Uh, and it was a home, but it was like also mixed with like a homebrew. It was definitely a homebrew setting. Uh, and then, you know, I think with like everyone does, they have their own house rules and, and I'm not a GM. I, I, I want to do it a little bit, but that kind of part, you know, in that the, I think before we officially, hit go uh you know the the side project i was telling you about kind of relates to that why i don't gm yet um mm-hmm. but uh it is um it is like a like the, i would say in the last year uh i we've we've had one session one four hour session but i've played more on a podcast than i have with my actual like quote, quote unquote campaign group uh by just playing on various podcasts and whatnot so uh, it is, it is, um, something that I don't play as often as I want, but I just, I love as a story telling, uh, medium. Like, I think it's, I think 
RPG and and podcasts go hand in hand with with doing an audio drama essentially. Um, it's like a it's like I think they're made for each other almost. I think that's very true. The best worst advice I could give someone about role playing is pick a day of the week, tell everything else in your life to go away, and just role play on those days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like, I, every Wednesday from. Five to like midnight, I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons or Dark Heresy, and I've had plenty of moments where my parents will call me like, "Your grandma's in town. Can you come out for dinner?" I'm like, "It's Wednesday. I can't." Um, <laughs> like, sorry, grandma, I gotta go beat the dragon. This is an unchangeable thing. I've been doing it for over a year. This is like yeah. a relationship. Yeah, no, and that's totally what I mean. That's 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 what it is. Is is when you get, and, and I think that's with again. It's it goes back to being a creator. Like you're putting a lot of uh, being a you know not that I I've played as much as you or have run a campaign, but like creating a character is almost as as much work as creating it's as it's much work as creating a character for you know a novel or a comic book or or something like that. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like this evening before we started talking, I helped a friend build a character for a campaign I'm running. And it took us maybe two to three hours just to build one character. So there's a lot that goes into just thinking about one particular player. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, like I said, I think it, that, and, you know, we kind of have hit this note a few times, but it's it's one of those, um, tabletop RPG is one of those things that I think if you have, are having a tough time that you can turn to, um, as some sort of either entertainment or creative outlet to really like just help with with life because it's for me when wrestling was just it wasn't about like hitting somebody it was about telling a story um, and that's you know whether you're a player or a GM in tabletop uh, that's what you, you know that's what you're doing and I think that's um, it's a wonderful outlet a creative outlet. Absolutely. I think everybody's got a story in them and how they tell it is up to them, but they, they need to tell it. Yes. And uh, tabletop RPGs can really bring that out. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, all right, so right before we let you go, go ahead and give out all the plugs that you want to give out. Okay, well, I'm terrible at Twitter, but I'm getting better at it. I'm Dylan J. Jacobson on Twitter. Um, that's kind of my handle everywhere. If you can't find it under that, I'm the Dylan Jacobson. So facebook.com slash the Dylan Jacobson. Or if you just want to follow the comic book, it's uh, facebook.com slash champions comic or champions comic on Twitter. And then last, but absolutely not least the most important place you can catch me and to get pre-released pages, all of the scripts as they roll out and free digital copies of all of my content. You can check out my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash D Y L A N. That's Dylan. I signed up when it was still beta. So I have the shortest link you've ever seen. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's um, Patreon is something that, uh, you know, we, we quote unquote use, we have no one, no one um, donates to it, which is fine because like, we don't, I don't put enough time and energy into it to like have that responsibility yet. So I'm actually happy that no one um, does it, but 
if you're going to drop some dimes on, on Dylan and you want to drop some dimes on us, go to patreon.com slash that entertains. I'm okay with that. Uh, but that's something that I like, you know, we had one other, um, guy on here that, that, uh, had a Patreon that, you know, uh, he was plugging and like, uh, we, the thing we equated it to is that it's literally for, for you, the fan or the, the listener or audience member, uh, it is skipping one day of eating out or getting a coffee or getting a pack of cigarettes or whatever and and applying that for a month of pledging to your patreon uh, it, it means very little to you to, to to skip out on that coffee or whatever uh, but it means the world to you the creator for the month because it's, it's either a, how you're earning a living or B how you're starting to make a living or whatever. Um, and getting rewarded for the work you're doing. And you know, we, me and the other guy, what we said is $1 a month, $12 a year, uh, $12 a year, bro. Yeah. Well, and a good way to look at it, uh, that Patreon is always telling people to say is, um, it's a tip jar, man. So just imagine if you will, the musician sitting on the street corner with his, guitar case open and you flick a dollar in there every day because you think he's great well i'm only asking for a dollar a month which like you've made some comparisons is four large lattes a year um at a cheap coffee shop so (laughs) come on yeah i mean that's and and that's what i try to like when i especially when i plug other people's patreons is like that's literally if you enjoy this person's work like give up the the coffee for for you know one day and and you're gonna pay for the the month of uh you know of of the subscription fee you know so uh go ahead and do that you know we we set it for t- for uh, two cool tabletop we're gonna say it for Dylan as well twelve bucks a year bro uh is is you know a dollar a month is, it means the world to to Dylan and is no real sweat off your back absolutely hey can I plug one last thing yes. Okay, so I'm taking a book tour slash road trip at the end of May, and I'm going to be up in Seattle and Portland through May 30th through June 3rd, I think. Um, so I'm doing a bunch of gigs there where we're showing up at bars and comic book stores. They're already being planned, so if you go to Champions Comic on Facebook, you can see the gigs that are already available. Uh, you can show up, read books, um, check out some of the original artwork, buy buttons and pins and things like that, and support us in all new glorious ways as I try to get this book into new stores. That sounds so. very cool. Hopefully you come up and spread it to Philadelphia one day. Uh, I'll look into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, if, if you want to do a back to back tour, Oh, you know, if you're not going to be, if you're only, if you're there to the third, you're going to miss out on wizard world. Wizard world's done on the four. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but maybe next year, maybe next, plus there's like, I don't know. I've, I've, recently found out there's way more than just the Philadelphia comic book convention and the wizard world convention. There's a lot more cons that I don't know about that. I need to start. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, Dylan, thanks for doing the show. Uh, it was a blast talking to you again. We're definitely going to have you on, uh, the show at some point again, whether it's for this or for, 
the other projects that are in the works. But uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Enjoyed champions. Go out uh, and support Dylan by going to his patreon.com slash Dylan. Go follow him and, and, and the, the comic book champions. Check it out if you get a chance. It is uh, – it, it was – now, I don't read comic books on the regular anymore, but it is a uh, one of my favorite reads in general out of everything that I read, novel or other – you know, or comic book that I've read in the last, you know, you know, month or so. Uh, so check it out. It was champions is great. Uh, and you'll definitely see if you're a Kevin Smith fan and you probably are, if you're listening to this show, you'll definitely see at least one reference that you'll enjoy. Uh, and of course you can find this show on Twitter at real awesome pod. You can find me on Twitter at that nerdy Kev. Uh, yes, I basically stole that from Kevin Smith. I will admit that I also stole this from doom thugs. We are the number one podcast in Bucks County. Uh, you can find us on awesomepodcast.com or on core temp arts at coretemparts.com for everything's awesome i'm kev we'll see you next time right here on awesomepodcast.com we've been awesome thank you for listening to the core temp arts podcast network to listen to more core temp arts shows visit coretemparts.com